Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Coming up, uh, Josh Ellingson and Alex Campbell. Really appreciate you guys listening. Thanks to the folks at Racetech. Pulp 21 is the code to save with Racetech. Get your motor work done. Get suspension work done with the folks at Racetech. They got suspension seminars, engine seminars going on. Racetech.com for all of your suspension and motor needs. Check out their website. See what they can do. They've been supporting privateers in the sport for decades now, and they do a great job. So thank you to Racetech for coming on, and enjoy the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, man. I appreciate it. It's the off-season, and we're going to try to uh, continue to do to give you guys some great content all the way uh, up until Anaheim 1. So today on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by the folks at Renthal, Maxis, Motorsport.com, and Cobalinks, we've got a podcast with Alex Campbell. He's Dylan Ferrandis' mechanic over at Monster Star Yamaha, and Josh Elsington, Elli- Ellingson, sorry, Ellingson over at uh, Star Racing Yamaha. He works for Justin Cooper. So a couple of guys that uh, I'm get- getting to know a little bit and talk about their path in the industry, working for their teams, how they like it, the ups and downs of moving to Florida, and more. So we'll get into that and uh, and much more here on the show. Thank you to the folks at Fly Racing. Of course, you can get Fly Racing at motorsport.com or your local dealer. Formula Helmet is amazing. It's super safe. It's lightweight. It's quiet. Uh, they got the Formula CP helmet this year, a little different shell on it, save you some money on that. They've redesigned their uh, Evo and Kinetic lines a little bit. Their light line got a whole redone, redo last year. So Fly Racing, please check it out. Justin Brayton, Zach Osborne, the uh, Rocky Mountain KTM guys, and, uh, and others wearing Fly Racing out there. So please check it out. And uh, thanks to those guys for making it happen. And, of course, Maxxis Tires, MXSTs, developed by... Jeremy McGrath, and used by the SGB Maxxis team. Great mountain bike tires, UTV tires as well. Um, Maxxis.com, man, they got a lot of stuff going on. They make tires for a lot of things. And if you haven't thought about Maxxis for a while, for some sort of vehicle you have, you need to start thinking about Maxxis, all right? Uh, Maxxis.com for more information. Get them from motorsport.com. Also, thanks to the folks at Renthal, whether it's his old trusty 7.8 bar, the fat bar 36, the regular fat bar, the twin wall bar, uh, yeah, Renthal's got a bar for you. They got grips, chains, sprockets uh, uh, as well. Renthal.com for more information to learn more about their products. Great company based over in the UK. And man, they make good quality stuff. I put a bunch of it on my Project 500 that you can read about over at pulpamex.com. So thank you to those guys. We'll tell you a little bit more about motorsport.com and Cobalinks later on. Uh, but for now, sit back and relax and talk. listen to me talk to Alex and Josh about mechanic life. 
And now, as promised on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, first up, it's a man who uh, won a championship this year in 450 motocross, uh, working for Dylan Ferrandis, of course. Uh, he's from Minnesota. Alex Campbell, what's up, man? How are you? No, I'm pretty good. How are you, Steve? Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, good job this year, by the way. Congrats on the success. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a pretty good year um, for myself and Dylan, all things considered. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was a really exciting summer. Also on the line, Justin Cooper's mechanic making a change uh, for next year, but got himself a Supercross title this year, almost an outdoor championship. It's Josh Jelly Ellingson. What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you doing, Steve? Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Hey, you did the wrap-up show. I don't know when, but thanks for doing that. I, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's been a couple uh, couple months now that yeah. I did that with Dark Side, but yeah. I don't know. I felt it went pretty good. That was actually my first show wow. I've ever done, so I was pretty nervous. Wow. I mean, the pony does that to people too, right? So, <laughs> you, know, that, you know how that goes. Um, well, thanks for coming on. I got a lot of questions for both of you guys. Of course, the Star Racing guys, uh, you've moved up to Florida. I want to talk to you about that a little bit and the, the decision with that and everything else. But I guess uh, uh, first up, Alex, for you, uh, Dylan Ferrandez off the podium, I think three motos out of uh, 24. Um, look, we had them. All of us experts had them doing pretty well um, this summer and maybe winning some races, but dude, this was an epic performance, whether it was speed, whether it was fitness, somehow the bike held together as well. Uh, did this, did his season surprise you or did you really think he could, he could win the championship? Uh, both. Um, I definitely think he's capable of, uh, winning races and stuff like that, but winning the championship in the first year isn't like something we didn't go into the season saying like, Oh, we're going for the title for sure. Like, I feel like we went into it thinking we were going to do our best every weekend and we actually stayed on that path every weekend we went in hoping for two good motos um but i knew he'd be ready like as far as fitness and things like that and uh working with dv on that type of stuff like i knew he'd be ready but i thought there'd be flashes of brilliance you know some podium stuff like that but dude he came out to paula and i think yeah he won the first moto and got maybe third in the second moto and won the overall and then it was like game on from there you know we were going for two good motos and trying to click them off and it was i mean you can't predict it to being a season like that just yeah. barely finished off the podium a couple motos uh but wow I, I was i was impressed i was actually taken back i work with him every day <laughs> yeah, yeah. but still you're just like holy shit he's really doing it yeah well you know he came into supercross a bit banged up right with a hand injury or something and maybe maybe that affected him more than we thought in supi you know what i mean because he was this good outdoors with with a full prep going in you know so maybe we yeah. uh Maybe we underestimated his yeah. supercross skills, you know, healthy. Yeah, and I think he will, if if he stays healthy, he'll be better next year in supercross for sure. But yep. I think, uh, I, I I didn't count, you know, but I think we have less than eight weeks of supercross prep in before the season last year. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think only two weeks before the first race. So uh, just as far as confidence and stuff like that, like knowing you're going in not prepared is tough. So right. going in outdoors prepared helped out. Uh, Josh, for you, man, it all changed while Shugel's second moto. Uh, Justin Cooper going for the uh, the win there and uh, crashed, looped up 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 up, up horsepower hill and uh, hurt thumb, didn't get to ride. And damn it, Josh, that was kind of the the series that turned on its head right there. Yeah, and uh, that weekend was actually a pretty big turning point for our season. Um, I mean, the race was going well, and everyone. I think while well, we had two laps to go and yep. I, us personnel, we kind of let our, let our guard down a little bit. And then all of a sudden craziness happens. <laughs> and, 
I mean, it could happen one lap to go, first lap. It just, when it happens, it happens. But uh, that was a bummer. But, um, yeah, we took some time off and then started riding again. And I thought we'd be okay, but we just took us a little bit to get back going, honestly. Yeah, I think he was sick there a little uh, bit, right? He was a little sick and then a thumb. And, yeah, just couldn't get it going. Yeah, it it was – it just seemed like once one thing happened, everything started happening all mm-hmm. at once. But, uh, yeah, Washuga was uh, just a big turning point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, bummer deal. But still, he got a Supercross title. Uh, he went 1-1 at a national. He won, right? Like, it was a successful year for Justin Cooper and yourself. I think you got to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 100% happy. That was my best year as a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we got the Supercross title, and that was – a lot of stress, but it was also really exciting. And then I knew we were going to be a threat coming into the outdoor season. And I mean, we, he had an amazing outdoor season. Yep. It just, just came up a little short, but I have no complaints on the season at all. Honestly, uh, before we get too far into this, Josh, you, you, Derek Rankin, AKA Jericho, he's gone. Uh, how much better will the team be with him? Not around. Do you feel, uh, Honestly, it's good. it's 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 going to be sad, you know. Oh, Derek's a great stop guy. It. And... Stop it! Oh God, dude. <laughs> I'm just going to hype him yeah, up. I agree. Alex, come on, jump in here. Come on, Steve. I th- I can't go against Jericho. The guy brought me a belt the weekend after the championship. <laughs> he did. He like, did. Yeah. Dude, how many mechanics are buying gifts for a mechanic? Like, yeah, pretty rare. So yeah. he's he's a good dude. He'll be missed, but um, best wishes to him too. And. Uh, yeah. I think he'll be good, but we'll still give him shit across the paddock. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, so, hey, big change for you guys. Uh, obviously, Star Yamaha moving up to the goat farm. Um, you know, Will Hahn didn't go. You know, he got a new job. Um, Derek didn't last long, and I think that's part of why he left a little bit of it. But for you, Alex, look, you got a great thing going. And so do you, Josh. But, Alex, you got a great thing going with Dylan. Did you think about not doing it what's it been like are you okay with it uh or is it a better situation what's the move been like for you uh yeah i'll be completely honest i did think about not going yeah um it's a it's a huge commitment to move across the country and then um it's just it's tough you know i have a wife too so like if she wasn't able to keep because she's gonna work from home now online but if Uh she wasn't able to keep her job like that would have been a whole nother stress of her finding another job and uh um, I did some searching around. I had some other offers and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I never really pursued it that okay. hard. Yep. And the move, um, I just got here last, last week, but you know, I I came here for the summer with Dylan, and I just lived at the cabin at the goat farm, yep. which isn't ideal, but it worked out. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the move right now is tough. I mean, all of our stuff is in boxes yep. uh, at the farm and stuff like that, and uh it's going to take some organizing and some stuff to get it going. But I think the first six months are going to be really tough with everything here. And then it'll only get better from there. And then in a couple of years down the road, I think this yep. is a better option for the whole team. You're, you're from Minnesota. So it's not like, yep. I mean, you know, it, it's brutal summers and everything else. But you're not like you're a Cali guy. Like this isn't no. that big of a deal as far as lifestyle slash, you know, where you're at. Right, exactly. And like I said, I was, like, considering not going to Florida. It's the same thing as, like, since I'm not a California guy, it's not like I was ever like, oh, I'm going to stay in California yeah, forever. Yeah. Like, when I was seeking other options, it was also seeking options at home just because California, it, 
it's kind of a, a tough lifestyle and a tough grind all the time. So yeah. this little bit slower pace of life I think will be better for me. Uh, Josh, I was saying, like, if I put myself as a mechanic, I did it for 11 years, and I don't think I would have gone. Like, I mean, obviously, look, if I got Ferrandis winning and, and maybe Cooper winning, um, you know, I only – I won nothing as a mechanic, like one national. Um, maybe I maybe I think differently, but I don't think I do that if I'm in your shoes, uh, Josh. How – did you, what, did it come easy for you? Did you want to do it? Talk about that. Um, for me, it was basically the same boat as Alex. Um, it was a big choice, but I've also I'm I've actually stayed maybe an hour from Tallahassee. I lived in Florida for four years. Okay, and then I did two years up here, so I wasn't too far from the area, and uh, so I kind of know the area. I know. Uh, the Florida lifestyle, the bugs, the humidity. So it wasn't a complete shock to me, but just the biggest decision for myself too was my girlfriend's from California and her family's all there. So it was a joint decision and a lot of talking about it to decide if it was the best choice for both of us. And I mean, it's a big change. Like you kind of bring yourself here and if, uh, for some unfortunate reason you want to go somewhere else in the industry you honestly have to move yourself back to california because everyone is still out there i know uh there are some areas that and teams that are moving here as well but uh it's still pretty much all based out there so if you want to yeah. look for something new that's you got to possibly plan to go back but it it's a it's a decision that didn't come easy and um but I think in the long run, it'll it'll be the right decision. Yeah, I uh, the only thing like I thought about is is yeah leaving you know living back east and the heat and humidity and all of that. Um, it is uh, cheaper to live there, you know. But then also like you guys are at the Go Farm and your race mechanics and uh, Alex, I've been I see you, I follow you on social. You know, you're working on a water truck, you're doing this, you're doing that, and that's all part of stuff that yep. has to come with the compound. And I. It's not that I'm afraid of work, but you guys already work your balls off. And so that part of it where I'm like, oh, man, like after the work, hey, man, groom the track. Hey, water the track. Hey, fix this or whatever. You know what I mean? And so that's a bit of an adjustment, Alex. Yeah, for sure. And this year, uh, you know, Dylan coming here this summer wasn't really planned. Like I didn't know that was going to happen. And I didn't know I was going until eight days before I left. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I came home one day and told my wife, hey, I'm, I'm moving to Florida next week for the rest of the summer. And she's just like, uh, what? Yeah. But we didn't yeah. have we didn't have plans for track people and facility people and stuff like that at the time. So yeah, this summer, like you helped out where you could and Brad, you know, he's the team owner operator, he's he's out there grooming the track and stuff like that. He's ripping in the morning, he's watering, like yeah, yeah. it was just one of those things that if you if you had to pitch in you did. And yeah, it was uh it's tough, you know, you work on a practice bike all day, prep that and then you're working on a pump or whatever yeah, it might yeah. be, but like my whole thing was like Dylan was doing good and it was for the greater good of the, of the situation. So mm-hmm. we had to keep it going. And, yep. um, I have a background in working on a little bit of heavy equipment and stuff growing up on the farm in Minnesota. So I thought it was the best option for me to help out rather than just take a back seat to it and just right. let it fail if it was gonna. So, um, I stepped up and helped out where I could, but in the future, yeah, there'll be small projects like that. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, we, we're going to have a track guy. And you stuff are like going to, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so it won't be us, but this summer was the was the struggle. I was talking to Dylan at uh, Paula after he won. Um, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Hangtown. I don't remember. Anyways, 
he was telling me how hard he was on the team and you and everybody. And, you know, he just like, I know what I like. I like my bike a certain way. We weren't getting there. There was frustration in Supercross. And I, we work all day, and I tell the guys, see you at 9 with some new settings tomorrow morning. Um, can you vouch for that, uh, Adam? Can, uh, Alex, can you vouch for, vouch for uh, uh, Dylan saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> he demands a lot, and yeah. I think he, he, he knows that, but he's starting to realize that because some of us have kind of let him know over the last couple of <laughs> years. But, uh, you know, voice your opinion. But he's uh, he's gnarly. You know, he lives, breathes, and sleeps this type of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's many times, even at Supercross, outdoors, whatever, you know, preseason, like, mm-hmm. he he is very uh, demanding of the people around him yep. because he expects a lot out of himself. So he expects the same from you. Like, right. his his life is this, and he kind of expects your life to be that as well. Um, and it, uh, trust me, it is tough at times because, you know, you want to go home or you want right. to do this. But yeah. you can also look at his situation, like, when he goes home, like, it's whatever time in France. He can't talk to anybody. He's not hanging out with anybody. It's just him and Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So you can't really be upset with him for wanting to be the best because this is the only reason he's here. Dude, I think it's a bit of a French guy thing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah Villeman, wasn't, Villeman wasn't the coolest guy to his mechanics. Tortelli worked Shane Drew to the bone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ron Ron was cool. Uh, Pichon. And Dan Bentley, by the end, wanted to kill each other. Um, You know what I mean? And honestly, I'm not talking shit on the French. I just think it's a bit of a French riders with mechanic thing. Yeah, it is. And in, like, my first probably four months at the team, I was telling the guys at the 250 team at the time, I was just like, dude, is this normal? Like, (laughs) I'm not sure this is right. Like, I feel like I suck at my job. And, like, things, like, nothing's falling off the bike. But this guy's, like, unreal. And they're like, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Like, you get used to it. Like, it's just different. Yeah. But I think um, working with Dylan is uh, kind of upped my game, too. Like, dude, the smallest thing, he has routines. Yep. He likes things a certain way, like you said. And you, th- you throw him off that a little bit, he's going to figure it out, no problem. Right. And uh, he'll let you know about it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just, yeah, I think it's a, it's a French thing. Uh, Josh, yeah, for, for you, um, how's Justin to work with? How is he? He seems like a pretty mellow dude, uh, pretty pretty laid back guy. How is he? Uh, Justin is super mellow. He's act, he's very easy to work with. Yeah, um, probably probably the opposite of what Dylan is. Right, right. Justin, I mean, we just set the levers, set the bars, and he rides. He'll ride it no matter what. And he really like he has his ticks and what he wants mm-hmm. with suspension and chassis but once we get comfortable he'll say i'm comfortable and then we'll go for a couple months and then if we right. come up with a new issue or something new within the team we'll try it and be like yeah it's good and then we go another couple months it's not it's nothing that's too stressful or too crazy it's actually very very easy to work with right right now curious for the situation over there obviously you guys took the 450 effort on this year and uh, Seth Rowe is uh, the T 250 team manager, and Jeremy Coker, the 450 guy. Josh, how much interaction do you have with Alex and everybody on the 450 team? Like, like, are you guys setting each other's tents up? Are you restocking both trucks? Is the 250 guys restocking the 450 truck, and vice versa? Like, how much interaction between the 250 and 450 team is there to help out? Uh, for the past season, it's kind of been not a whole lot of interaction. Like. Obviously, we all know each other, yeah, and we yeah. talk, and, like, they'll come over to our tent. We'll go over to their tent, but we're setting our own tent up. They're setting their own tent up. Okay. And yep. I think that stems from 
our shops have been in two different spots. The 450 guys were all working out of Cyprus, and all the 250 guys were still in Marietta. Mm-hmm. But once everyone merges together, I think at the farm, it's going to probably, I feel, combine everything a little bit closer because right. you're in and out with the guys every day. You're at the track with them every day. And then we'll get to the races, and they'll almost have that same vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll lend a hand over there. They'll lend a hand for us. And it'll kind of join everyone together. In the beginning, everyone was just separated, but yeah. I feel yeah. it'll change. Yeah, Alex, you were working at Cypress, uh, my old shop, my old bench there. What the greatness! That, oh yeah, the greatness that happened over there is phenomenal, just phenomenal. Yep. After all these years, I don't know how many years it's been since you worked at that bench, but it's got a title now. Maybe it's because you working there before. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you know what's funny is. You know, we have a strut, so if you don't want to put a shock in a yeah, bike, you know, yeah. or you don't have your, your shock, right? and you're building a bike, you just put a strut in. And one of the struts in my area literally had a Tim Ferry sticker on it with an American flag, and I'm like, oh, fuck, Steve's been here. Oh, nice. I like to hear that. It's just probably, <laughs> probably the only thing left over from the glory days. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yep. uh, yeah, the parts room is probably still stocked. There's probably things I broke in that parts room, I'm sure, if you rummage around there. Um, yeah, up, upstairs in the parts room for sure. Yeah, oh, up in the mezzanine there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah don't go up there. There's probably probably bad stuff up there. Um, and so, Josh, uh, Eli Tomac's moving over to the team for next year, and I don't know when we're going to release this, uh, but you are going to be his guy. Um, how did that happen? Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Did, did they, someone come to you and ask you about it? Did, did you ask them to do it? Obviously, you and Justin uh, get along well, and you've got – tons of success but talk about that move a little bit um so i was approached by the 450 team uh i can't exactly remember when it was maybe during outdoors with the possibility of having the chance to do it Mm -hmm. and i had a little time to think about it because for me it was honestly a really big choice because i've been with justin for four years and we I started with him when he was a rookie and we worked all the way up until this year, having a great season and winning a supercross title and then coming very close for outdoors. So the decision was honestly probably one of the hardest ones I've made in my career yeah, yep, this far. Yep. But um, it came down to, for myself, like I kind of had to make, I mean, I don't want to say it was a selfish decision, but, um, it was a decision for myself and for where my career was going. It's a move to the 450 class. Yep. It's to work for one of, if not the top elite 450 rider. Yep. And it'll just kind of bring a refresher to it. It's a new guy. Um, I'm new to him. He's new to me. So it brings back that din- dynamic of learning each other and learning how we make each other tick, how I can get, feedback out of him he can get feedback out of me and that um will make it pretty exciting for this next year so that's kind of why i went with my choice yep um so so you okay so yeah like it's a big step up for you for sure right like you know obviously justin's you know one of the top 250 guys but yeah you're getting thrown in the pressure cooker now uh josh it's gonna be a it's gonna be a yep (laughs) It's going to be, I mean, I, it's a new team for Eli, so there's going to yeah. be a lot of hype around him. How's he going to do? How's yeah. he going to compare to the Kawasaki? And um, 
it's exciting, it's nerve-wracking, but I think it's going to be a good season. Hey, Alex, if, he, if E.T. struggles, my headline is going to be, is Jelly bringing him down? That's, that's going to be the headline. <laughs> the gnarly thing about this sport is people will think that. I know, I know, really, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. It sucks, like it comes down to the mechanic, but, I mean, obviously we have a lot to do with and how they do and stuff like yeah, that. Like, yeah. you know, you, you, can't, you can't have an issue. But right. at the same time, like, I really think that it's mental for a lot of these riders, and I think Eli will go out there and tell himself he's going to win, and he will because of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I have a lot of faith in Dylan and stuff like that, and he tells himself, like, he's good and he can go win. But if Eli gets that in his mind, like, dude, he's going to go win. He could he'd go just as fast on a stock bike for one lap, but it's not safe. Yeah. So if he tells himself that – hey, I got this bike, I can do this, like I'm going to do that fastest lap for 30 plus two or 20 plus one, whatever it might be, you know. Like I think a guy like Eli is is going to go out there and do well. And He he might win 10 races, he might yeah. win two, but he could be on the podium every weekend and win a title. Like, Jelly, he's not, still going to do good. Jelly not gelling with Eli or... <laughs> <laughs> I, can, no, I can already see it. I can already yeah. see it. Um, uh, yeah, and, and Steve, no, Steve's going to say peanut sabotages jelly. Yeah, yeah. Peanut, yeah. peanut. We're beefing now. Right, right. Yeah, I think, I think that'll work out. Yeah, peanut and jelly beefing. Um, yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, and you'll be going to Colorado a lot, I'm sure. Eli's not going to be uh, at the goat farm that much. He's going to probably, I imagine, stick to his program. So, Josh, you'll get to go over there and work with him you know, over there. And, and Ricky Gilmore will be involved. And, yeah, it'll be uh, a new thing for everybody involved. Yeah, and it'll be good because I'm going to try to make it a big point on my own to be around him as much as possible just because if you think about it, like we're kind of coming from the same boat. We both had our guys – I mean, Eli had crayons for a lot longer than yeah. I had Justin, but uh, right. we're both coming to each other from people we've been comfortable with for a long time. So um, on both ends, I think it's going to be good to learn. We might learn something new, and you get a fresh eyes on something, and it might excel something even further, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing it, you know, a Blue Crew, and, uh, and yeah, it's a great bike. Uh, speaking of that, Alex, how – how the fuck did you get that bike so good? Like, honestly, like the factory team had it, and I rode it. Um, I rode RV setting, which was really close to Barsha's Ironman setting, they told me. Practically identical, and I loved it. It was a great bike. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't ride anywhere near as fast as any of these dudes. Um, you guys got the bike to another level. So talk about, Alex, getting the factory bike and then Brad and, and, and Coker and, and everybody getting together and figuring out what they need to do to that thing. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it comes with knowledge with the with the 250, you know, like they yep. tried stuff that worked there and didn't work um, at, at the 250 as well, but they weren't super close-minded about the whole deal. Like, they understood that a 450 compared to a 250, it's a similar, same chassis, but it's completely different animals. And they uh, we tested a lot of stuff, we tried a lot of stuff, and uh, we spent many hours at the track, even if, like, we didn't think it was going to be good. We we tried things just to make sure that what we had was good. And Ricky Gilmore from KYB, he uh, man, he did his homework a lot. Yep. He spent a lot of time in the off season last year, um, especially during COVID, kind of developing things and uh, trying things out. That he came in ready and he was willing to work day in and day out with Dylan mm-hmm. and Jeremy and Brad. They, I mean, 
everything went through them as well. Yep. And we tried a lot of stuff. They had past experience at work in the 250. And a lot of the things kind of transferred over, but just the weight of a 450 is a little different and yep. how it kind of reacts. And, man, I don't know. Like, there was times at the track where we were going in circles with Dylan. Yep. And, um, and I don't know a lot about AP and Christian just because um, – I well, spend most of my time around Dylan. AP, but AP it, told me he's the worst tester in the ever. He's the worst test rider ever in the sport. So that's what AP yeah. said. So. <laughs> yeah, I really like AP. He's a good dude. Yeah, of course. Um, he's awesome. But I probably would agree with that. <laughs> right, like sometimes right. some of the stuff he says, you're like, dude, that's kind of the opposite of what it looks like. But all right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, they everybody on the team uh, was super open-minded, and we tried a lot of different stuff just to – see if it was better than yep. what we had already came up with and we reverted back often too like went back to base settings to see like hey are we just on a off on a tangent just trying yep. this for one section of the track or like this or that and dylan's super picky about braking zones and he once he found something he was comfortable in the braking section he was he was on it and that's kind of what made him comfortable and gilly spent a lot of time working on that yeah and uh making making dylan comfortable and it worked out yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. some of that was, and like it's not like like I say Dylan, but the things we figured out with Dylan, we would also try with other riders. Like it's right. not like oh, this is Dylan setting. No, like everything, all the settings belong to Star. They belong to KYB. You know, like yeah. it's not like oh, Dylan gets all this attention, and he's the only one that gets it because he figured it out. It's like oh, they would let the other guys try it and stuff right. like that too. Um, and it, it just like, and I think that kind of shows with AP's success too this year like he rode yep. um factory yamaha's bike a couple of years and then uh this year he did uh, a little better but he also like i can't not give credit to yamaha like he didn't get hurt during supercross so he already came in outdoors more ready mm-hmm. so yeah uh but yeah i think uh i think those guys just did their homework and they weren't super close-minded on it at all and uh it worked out for the better uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Alex Campbell, Josh Ellingson uh, here, brought to you by Renthal, Maxis, Motorsport, and Cobolinks. Josh, what is Bobby Reagan like? What uh, there's plenty of stories about Bobby. Uh, you know how how gnarly he is. Um, what's he like as as an owner, as a team owner? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's stories all over about Bobby, but honestly, though, he's just an old school old school guy, like the way he runs the team, the way he handles the riders. It's, uh, it's, it's just old school, but uh-huh. it works. Like you can't question what he's done in mm-hmm. the past shoot, five or six years. Like he's turned that team into one of the most dominating 250 teams that are coming through. Um, I mean, he does some things that are pretty crazy and wild, but <laughs> for <laughs> for my end to work for him it's yeah. enjoyable yeah i mean it, it keeps it interesting like you see some, like see some things that are like wow that's that's out of control but uh it works <laughs> and it keeps the riders in line and yeah. everyone's working hard so you can't knock what he's doing at all not a lot of babying of the riders is there <laughs> no, it's it's tough love. It's a hundred percent tough love on them, right. and uh, it, it keeps them working hard. Though, like if you sure. pat them on the back all the time, they're not going to strive for more. So, yep. you keep pushing them, and then they're going to perform for you. And then he can sit back and 
probably chuckle a little bit and say, I told you. Yeah, there's a, there's a story I heard from a pretty good source that during Coop, during Coop's Supercross title days, either the, the year he first won or the defending one, whatever, but he wasn't jumping something, and Bobby came in and said, I'm, I'm benching you for tonight if you don't jump this. It's like, what? Like, like you're benching me? Like, I'm leading the points. Like, what are you, how are you going to bench me? I'm leading the points or, or whatever. Like, you think Yamaha's going to let you bench me? <laughs> I can for sure see no, that happening. Not, yeah. yeah, 100%. If you're not doing the rhythms that you should be doing, you will hear about it when you get back to the truck. <laughs> but, hey, they'll go out and do it the next practice, and right. honestly, they'll do good that night. Uh, what, it's, about, it's, what about you, Alex, with Bobby? What about with, with you, Alex, with, and Bobby? With Bobby, I have some stories. Uh, actually, with Jelly, we were at the Florida National in 2000. 19. I think Justin was in the uh, second yeah. time or something like that. Or maybe he was at first. But literally, like, Jelly says he's crazy at times. And, like, Bobby's just super passionate. Yep. But he literally told Jelly, give me that pit board. And he was pit boarding for Justin. I don't remember what he was writing. <laughs> but he was writing some crazy shit on the pit board. And, like, I can tell you what he wrote. This day. What did he write? Tell what? us, Jelly. Uh, I mean, it, this picture made it out of vital, but it's. I mean, it's a, it's funny to laugh at now as he put what the bonus was for that race win on that pit board. Yeah. So Justin could see it <laughs> to try to get him to go. Right, right. Oh, yeah. that that's and it awesome. happened to be Justin's. Justin ended up winning the overall that weekend. So like like Jelly said, like he has these crazy ideas and shit, and sometimes it, it does pay off like it did that day. <laughs> it actually works. And then the right? other, the other <laughs> yeah the other. Bobby Reagan story I have is um, I didn't have a lot of interaction with Bobby at the beginning because he doesn't come to California and stuff right. like that. But we were at a race, and I'm Dylan's new mechanic in 2019 at Supercross. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's on the radio, and he goes, Hey, uh, 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 Dylan's mechanic. <laughs> he didn't even know my name yet. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's just like something I remember. Uh, Dylan's mechanic. Right. So he wants me to tell Dylan, like, hey, man, he better wheel tap this or do that, you yeah. know, or something like that. But that's the other Bobby Reagan story. I'm like, dude, this, I worked for this guy for six months. He didn't know my name. <laughs> when, <laughs> hey, Alex, when Dylan first came into Supercross, did you think that you guys had to need, needed to get him witness protection? Over some of the some of the moves he was pulling out there on guys, I remember going, uh, "This guy's aggressive. This guy's aggressive." <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, dude, there's still times like at Washougal this year. He won the second moto, and they invite him up onto the uh, podium, and people are still booing all the time. But Supercross in 2020, when he hit uh, Christian Craig, Craig after yeah. finish line that time, like. Yeah. Dude, the rest of the season was unbelievable. Yeah, like yeah. the booze and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I mean, we never got him any type of protection. Like Dylan can hold his own if he needs to. I, I believe in him. Yeah. But he's a pretty gnarly guy. Yeah. But actually, when we go to Paris Supercross, uh, you know, over there in France, like he might not win the race, but dude, he has like he needs a bodyguard over there. He sneaks out the back of his pit. Yeah. It's gnarly. But it'd be the similar situation if he ever pulled another thing like that, especially in the 450 class. Yep. Like, dude, it's it's insane. But Dylan gets, uh, like, I can't blame him. Like, I do dumb shit when I'm mad or when I'm, like, fired up. Mm-hmm. So it's the same situation. He expects himself to win, and, and he might make a mistake here and there and take a guy like Christian out, who's probably the most followed family man on Instagram. Yeah, really, but, right? The wrong guy. Totally the wrong guy to like, dude, clean out absolutely. there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It was an aggressive mood for sure. But at the same time, like, I'm biased because he's my rider. So I'm like, dude, 
Dylan just took a guy out. He's down in front of the mechanics area, and I see it. And I'm like, holy shit. And then he gets up, and I don't know, like a few laps later, he wins the race. And I'm like, wait, my guy was just down, and now he's winning the race? Like, yeah. that's pretty incredible. Yeah, really, right? But, yeah, that was. Um, but so so far, no nobody got right. in uh, he, uh, AMA Supercross. Dude, he was aggressive his first four rounds of, uh, of uh, Supercross or five rounds. I remember thinking, like, this guy's not going to last the year, dude. I'm like people are gonna yeah. people are gonna get get him, but you know he 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 uh, he settled down. Um, yeah, and Dylan actually told me in 2019 he won the title. You know we went yep. into Las Vegas in second place, but he ended up winning the title. But when we went into 2020, he literally told me like, "Hey man, like last year we won the Supercross title, but this year like we're going to win every single weekend. Like anything less than that, he's not happy, and yep. he's just like we're going out there to win every weekend." And and like that was the type of mindset he had, and he won both titles, yeah. which is pretty rad. But yeah, absolutely. To have that type of like mindset in that guy is pretty cool, right? Uh, let's get into a little bit of your guys' background and a little bit of how you made it to where you are. You know, all of us uh, mechanics and, and ex mechanics like myself. Uh, you know, I did some things. I made no money, and, and I worked for some shitty teams, and I couldn't get people to call me back for a while to get a job, and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm interested. In your background a little bit, let's start with you, Jelly. Uh, where do you come from, and how do you get started in, in the industry? Um, so I'm actually from uh, Monroe, Wisconsin. It's a small town in southern Wisconsin. And then me, I mean, I, kind of the normal story. I used to ride and then uh, obviously wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like. I liked working on dirt bikes and tinkering on them. So I went to school at MMI for a year and a half. And from there, like while I was in school, my main goal was to work on dirt bikes, motocross bikes, do the racing scene and try to get to the factory level. And while I was in school, I was emailing, talking to everyone, trying to get the internships and doing all that. And like, I think it was, Probably a month or two before I was graduating, mm-hmm. I just uh, shot an email to Luke Rensland because I kind of knew of him a little bit because I had some friends at GPF. Okay. And he trained there before he got Dreamland. Yep. And I just, I mean, I knew he actually had a mechanic at the time, but I was just shooting on a limb. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah trying every every route every avenue and i got an email back from his dad so i drove up there from orlando and met his dad met luke met his brother cody and uh like a couple days later they decided to hire me and while i was in school i was driving up there on the weekends building bikes and helping them at dreamland and then for him i did two years of amateurs we won two Loretta's titles in the 450 class, and then I did two uh, pro seasons with them, Supercross and Outdoors with Cycle Trader. Oh, okay. And then from Cycle Trader, I got uh offer to go work at Star. And then Star, I did uh, Mitchell Harrison and Dan Reardon that season. I did – I can't remember which coast each one of them was right. on, but I did East, West, and then Outdoors with Mitchell. And then from there, I worked with Justin up until the, this yeah. year. Uh, Al Dozer's cool, huh? He's a good dude. Uh, the, honestly, that family is like yeah. my second family. I still talk to those guys. And then coming back to Florida, I'm only an hour away. Sure. So yeah. 
it's pretty exciting and I've been able to go back there and see how the place has changed and no that they I owe them a lot honestly they were my first break into the scene and yeah. then obviously he did really well and kind of brought me with him and jump-started my career I've actually been very fortunate with the opportunities that I've gotten yeah you didn't stru- yeah, you, didn't str- to- you didn't struggle at all at all damn it jelly you didn't really struggle <laughs> you know just yeah right into right into good, I mean, right into no, good teams been, yeah exactly like winning titles with luke right. and then, uh, uh just slowly made the climb up the ladder and it's honestly it's been a blessing like yeah it's everything's just been working out for me but i mean i've worked hard for it i've had to make a lot of sacrifices Mm -hmm. in my life to get to where i'm at and it's uh it's actually worked out really well i mean rankin had to to work for a ray at spider energy and and, hey did did derek ever tell you about how a lot a lot of parts (laughs) changed did did derek ever ever tell you guys how he tried to reach out to stewart stewart on uh facebook if he needed a practice bike guy (laughs) did he ever tell you that Oh, yeah. Did James not write him back? Nah, James didn't write him back. It's the honest, it's the honest thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he uh, he actually said he sent James a Facebook message. Hey, man, I'm from Indiana, and uh, do you need a practice bike up? Oh, it's great. Um, so was, was Luke wearing X-Brand then? Was I around, the Cycle Trader guys with X-Brand? I'm not yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was. Because I think, were they X-Brand one or two years? But I don't know, yeah. Uh, Definitely, I, th- I thought so. Yeah, he was definitely on X brand while I was there. Oh, good. Um, um, he is, uh, yeah, he's a rad dude. Uh, uh, I wish, like, he went to Canada for a year and had some success, and then COVID hit, and he didn't go back up there. And yeah, I want good things to happen for for Luke, you know. So yeah, I want to. I would really love to see him back out doing both series and uh, getting some good results because I mean, his last full season, like at the East West Shootout, he got on the podium. So it's it's yeah. uh, the speeds there. It's just. I just wanted to see him get a little program together and try to get his face on the map. And I honestly feel like he could get back into it and put his name back on the radar for teams. But, um, and I I mean that doing your own effort takes a lot of money and time and resources, but, um, it would be great to see him back out there. Did you, so growing up, did you hit Millville every year in Minneapolis Supercross when you could, is that what you did? as as I was, uh, Millville and Redbud. Because it was the same distance okay. both ways, and then uh, any Indianapolis Supercross and St. Louis Supercross. All right, yeah, so cool. Mm-hmm. So you were going to to those things, and, and yeah, and Alex, I guess you were the same way, going to Millville or Redbud or whatever, whenever you can to those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Millville every summer, and uh, my my whole summer revolved around Millville for sure. Yeah, I uh, I remember like so I I was kind of like you, Jelly, where I was like a failed motocross racer, like not getting anywhere. <laughs> And I was like, hey, I want to be a mechanic. You know, I think I could be a mechanic. And, and I would go to the Millville now. That would my, that's my closest place from, from Canada, eight hours away. And I would watch the mechanics the last couple of years as a, as a, as a kid, like as I was like 18, 19. Now I was watching the mechanics and being like, oh, I could do that. What's this guy doing? Because like, I was kind of like, that's how I want to get in. You know, was watching. The, well, yeah, watching and you see what they're doing. You're like, wow, that's. I know, right? It's like you're like starstruck by like you got the truck, you got the mechanics working on these amazing bikes, and you're just like, oh, man, that would be so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then you just the dream starts, and yeah, and you go yeah. from there. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I slept on an air mattress in a race shop. I made $300 a week. I'm pissed, Jelly. You stepped right into this <laughs> amazing thing. Uh, but, hey. Talk, mine's worse. Yeah, Alex, what, talk about your, your, your introduction. My introduction was I was a nobody from Minnesota, even in the motocross world. Uh, at the local level, like I raced hair scrambles. So, and the reason <laughs> I did that is because at the motocross races, like you wait around so much during the day. And I had a group of friends that raced hair scrambles. You know, they drive to the race, they race two hours, and they go home. Right. But the motocross guys, you sit around and you race, uh, I don't know, five laps or something like that, and then you wait till your next class. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was never going to make it. I wouldn't even have ever been paid money to race at the local level. So. I went to MMI for a year and a half or so, I think. And then I met um, a couple guys there, which I went to a motorcycle expo, and I met Daniel from, I think he worked at Von Zipper at the time. Yep. And he invited me out to, like, this Monster Cup uh, viewing party at a local bar because the motorcycle expo I was at was on the day of Monster Cup. And I went there, and uh, he's like, oh, you got to meet this guy. Like, he works for... He worked for Eric Grondel at the time. Okay. And um, they just moved to Central Florida, and it was Peyton Stevenson, who now works for Ken Roxton as a practice mechanic. Oh, okay. I know but, Peyton. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I was like, hey, man, like, I really like your job. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, do you think I can come out and check out and, like, see what you do and stuff like that? Like, I'd already known that that's what I wanted to do when I went to MI was work on a race team. I didn't ever want to work at a dealership or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, yeah, 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 man, come out. Just like take my number down and like text me next week. So I text him. And of course, like everybody in this industry, like you're so busy, you don't have time to text like somebody back. Like you're busy. Yeah. And, uh, he doesn't text me back. So like, I don't know, maybe 10 days goes by or something. Like, Hey man, it's me again, reaching out. Like yeah. I just really love the opportunity to come out and check out and see you guys do blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, yeah, man, come out tomorrow. Here's the address. Like, if you have any issues finding it, just, like, call me at the yeah, time yeah. you're coming out. I'm like, all right. So I go out there, and, like, I just start, like, hanging out with those guys. Uh-huh. It was Eric Grondo and then uh, Peyton and a few other guys that were training with Tim Ferry at the time because Eric trained with Tim Ferry, one of the best. They had one of the best mechanics, yeah, you know. Yeah, right. It's great. And uh, so I started spending some time around there, but I didn't really have a job because I was just spending time there, like, trying to see, like, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. went on. You need to get paid now, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I started sweeping the floor and doing what I could. And then uh, I started maintaining the equipment a little bit because I grew up on the farm. I knew what to do there. So I was changing around the tractor and stuff like that. And then Hayden Melross was coming over from Australia to race East Coast Supercross that yeah. year. And he needed a practice mechanic. And he was just, uh, he was going to race for Buddy Brooks Honda. Uh, at the time and I was like hey man like I'll do it like I don't even like didn't even know what he was going to pay me if he was going to pay me right. at all he's a good dude and, by the way uh, yeah he's a really good dude yeah yeah you know Hayden a little bit yeah 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 he is a solid dude and I haven't talked to him in a while but like if it wasn't for him and Peyton and Eric like I would have right. never made it to where I'm at now but uh um so I told him like hey like I'll help you out and I was doing his practice bike stuff and I remember, because I lived in Orlando, and I was still going to MMI at the time, that I was like, hey, man, like, I know, like, you, ain't, you can't really pay me, but you think you could, like, cover my gas to make it to the track every week? <laughs> and at current gas prices, it was 78 bucks a week in fuel. <laughs> and he started, I'm not kidding, he paid me $80 a week, and he would buy me dinner oh, yeah. on Saturday nights, and we watched the West Coast races. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a and, deal. Uh, what a deal. deal. Yeah. What a deal. 
But like any one of us has made sacrifices. You said oh, yeah. you slept on an air mattress. Like that's just part of it. And uh, so then he uh, ends up getting hurt right before East Coast Supercross had started. And um, I and then I worked for him for a little bit longer and stuff like that. And then Eric Grondel was going to race the outdoor series, and he needed a motorhome driver. So I helped him out, and I drove the motorhome for the summer. And, like, anything I could do to get to the races, I would do it. Like, Eric was paying me better than that, and uh, it was going to be at the races. So I started hanging around the Geico guys and stuff like that mm-hmm. and on build day and, and whatnot. Yeah. And then um, so I got to meet all those guys. And then at the end of the season, Eric's like, oh, well, the bus driving is done. So, like, we'll keep you around. But, like, they didn't really know what I was going to do. And I was like, well, I want to be a mechanic. Like, I'm going to try and keep upping my career. So I went to work for Garrett Marchbanks as a mechanic, and he had just gotten on 250s. And I worked for him until January um, when I got the call from Hampshire because he had gotten hurt at straight rhythm. And they didn't think he was going to race in the 2016 series because of the injury at straight rhythm. Yep. And I think they kind of got caught with, like, out of mechanic. And then he needed a mechanic at the race team and stuff like that. So I was like, dude, I'll do it. But everybody else that's honestly good at the job at the time is already taken up because it's January and they need a race mechanic. I'm like, I'll do it. So then I talked to LaRocco. I didn't know you worked there. I had no idea you worked at Geico. I did not know this. I'm learning this for the first time. Really? Yeah, no idea. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I I don't know where you came from. I didn't know Geico with RJ. That's that's a good start. Yeah. Yep. Dude, it's honestly it's way better start than anybody should have really got as a first yeah. time race mechanic. I had never been to the gate at a Supercross before, and I get to go to the gate with Hampshire and the Geico team. Yeah. And then, uh, and so I show up to Geico, and it's February, beginning of February, and the first race is at the end of February, and. I show up there, and I kid you not, the areas there are huge. But there was like six motorcycles in pieces, and I'm like, "Holy shit! I haven't seen one bike this far apart." <laughs> and now I got to build all this stuff. There's like ten sets of wheels and all this. And yeah. luckily for the whole team there, uh, Adam Snyder and Derek Dwyer that worked there at the time and stuff like that, like they helped me like yep. build all my parts, then build my bike and stuff like that. And like the second bike I ever built there was the race bike, and it went on the truck like I don't know two days later, and it was gone. Like, it was insane. So I just slowly worked my way up there, and I worked for RJ for a couple of years and then McAdoo for a year and then uh, um, made my way over to Star at the end of 2018. I was looking for a change, and uh, Geico was going to change my position a little bit to not be on the road anymore, uh-huh. kind of do, like, the amateur department stuff. And then um, I was like, man, I really don't know if I want to not be on the road because all of us dream of being on the road and, like, being yeah, a mechanic. The, the- just like Jelly said, like, you start watching those guys like wow, and you said like, oh, I think I could do that. And like same thing for me at Millville is when I'm a kid and I'm like, oh man, like between the motors, these guys are putting on fresh tires every time. Like every like the sprocket they got on their wheels, brand new. Like it's cool. Like all of us sees it as like this amazing job. We don't even see it as a job, honestly. Right, right. Um, and yeah, and yeah, like, that's what I want to do. And then I was like, I want to be on the road. So I talked to Will Hahn, who I'd worked with at Geico for a couple of months that same year and uh yeah i worked he was the test rider so i helped him out during the week when rj was gone in florida and will was that star then and then he's like hey we're looking for a guy for dylan i'm like well i know nothing about dylan he knows nothing about me and i'm like well yeah sure i'll take it so then i took it and a few days later i was on my way to france to meet dylan and race the first race that's pretty cool here we are i didn't know now this might be a dumb question 
Do you guys have any mutual friends from the Midwest? Did you run into each other at all or anything over the did you, anything like that? I don't know the age difference or anything. But. Um, we we have never like we don't know each other from back home or anything. Okay. But we do have a couple of friends that we that know friends of friends. Okay, really, all right. Yeah, I didn't know if that was yeah, you know, cuz yeah, Midwest yep. motocross scene isn't massive, right? So who knows? Maybe you guys some But I guess no. Alex was hair scramble guy, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like I and, never, uh, I never hit like, the woods or hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of wood stuff. <laughs> no, but like seriously, like when I say like I was nobody, like I was literally nobody. Like when I was when I was a little kid, I didn't race, so like I wasn't yeah, yeah. traveling around and stuff like that. It's just, it's um, just I stayed in Minnesota, raced the hair scrambles, and and uh, I didn't really spend a lot of time traveling around for motocross. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Hey, thank you to Renthal and Maxis. Also. Thanks to the folks at Coba Links. Of course, uh, if you use the code uh, PulpMX, 15% off any link and free shipping using the code PulpMX. Uh, gain confidence, increase your plushness, improve your cornering, all with a lowered uh, suspension link for everything from Apulia to Yamaha, used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tourers everywhere. Coba Links, uh, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. Thanks to those guys. 25 years in business. Also, thank you to the folks at Motorsport, OEM and Aftermarket Parts, free shipping on anything over 79 bucks. Uh, they got a dedicated team of gearheads down there helping you to uh, do the best that you can um, in ordering parts, man. So great prices, great shipping. Anything over 79 bucks is free. And they've got it all, man. So thank you to Motorsport.com. Phil Nicoletti, Ryan Villapoto, Steve Mathis. Oh, part of the motorsport.com uh, crew. So thank you to those guys. Use the banner on pulpamex.com or pulpamexshow.com and uh, please uh, do it a lot. Please do it. And all right, back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, hey, so I so I get a lot of emails about and, and DMs and stuff about being a mechanic in the sport and everything else. And I tell people, don't go to MMI. Like, don't. And yeah. you both did. So, I mean, Scotty Atkins has got that school and he's placed some guys and I, I don't know, like, so looking back on it, I'll start with you, Josh. Like, is it worth the money to go in MMI? Um, I mean, it, it is kind of expensive. Yep. But one of the great things about it, and when I went to school, like, Scotty didn't have his school, yep. and there really wasn't any other option mm -hmm. besides MMI, and I think there was maybe another another one, but I can't remember the name of that one. But honestly, I look back on it, and the whole school is geared more towards a dealership, yeah. and they do have a little bit of motorsports in it. And they used to actually have a couple of internships that were on teams, and you could go there and hang out, like set up the truck and see what they do on the weekends. But it's it's mainly geared towards the dealership. But for me, what was great about it was it got me out of Wisconsin. Yep. It got me to Florida, where the Florida scene for amateur racing is actually massive. Like. You go up North Florida into Georgia, you got MTF, GPF, yeah. and then now all these training facilities right now that the scene is booming. So if you can, like, get yourself out of the small town, and uh, for me, that's what it did. It got me out of the small town, got me to Florida, and then it, it makes you a little bit hungry in the sense of now you're, all right, I got to make this work because yeah. – obviously you have the school bill and everything yep. so you're emailing you're calling but school wise like it was good in the sense too is that it helped me with engines too which i didn't have a very big background on and i mean mechanics nowadays don't usually have to deal with that side of it but mm -hmm. it is good knowledge to have for yourself 
in the long run anyways because, yep. I mean, you, I even though I don't build the engines on the race team, like you are sitting on a motorcycle running it, and to know what's going on in there, you can catch things before it happens. Well, that's and also it's also like the next step up for a mechanic. I think when you get tired of uh, the builds and the the, the 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 travel and everything else, the, the a, a crew yeah. chief or motor guy is the next step up. So yeah, you know, yeah, hundred percent. If you're tired of being on the road and you've been doing it for a while, you move into that position, and that is a very lucrative position. And building the engines is just as important as building the bike. Uh, so, so for you, Alex, MMI. Well, yeah, I mean, Jelly makes a good point. Uh, like, I came from Canada, and there, uh, Shane Drew was uh, a mechanic for Noli and Yamaha, and he's the one who took me around, and, and I was driving around with him and introducing people. But I knew how to work on a bike a little bit from my own – my dad was a car mechanic. But, you know, yeah. I, you know, Josh makes a good point where that got him to Florida, and that got him closer to where shit was happening, right? It wasn't happening in, yeah, in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jelly is completely right on that. Like, my hometown is probably a similar situation in Minnesota. Like, there's 3,000 people there. Like, I was never going to leave there. And, and, in fact, before I moved to Florida, I had never spent more than seven days off the farm at home. So, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. M- MMI was, for one, like, it got me out of Minnesota. And, two, like, it made me, like, it, it made me spread my wings. Like, you had to figure things out. Like, I had never lived in a city before yeah, and like yeah. and it's it's a rough part of town where i live but it really helped me like kind of figure out like all right sure. this is what i'm going to do i chose this and this is this is the path i took so right. now i got to make it work and um yeah very similar to, to jelly that it's just it gets you out of your hometown and and that's what you can do like growing up everybody talked about how they were going to leave their hometown and go do these things but Nobody ever left my hometown, ever. And, <laughs> and they're all and still there, right? It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But in, And they all do fine. Like, it's just the normal way of life there. But MMI was the reason I left Minnesota. So I can't really say it wasn't worth uh, mm-hmm. going to Florida for it. But if I went to met Peyton and Eric, like, I, I don't think right. that I would be here. So, um it's kind of like, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And luckily when I went to Florida for MMI, 12 months later I met them and it just kind of spiraled yeah. into what it is now. Yeah, um, interesting. Now, so I'm thankful that I went, but like I think if I was to go back to that day and I knew about Scotty Atkins School, I'd probably go there myself. Yeah, I think it's a lot cheaper and I think Scotty still places mm-hmm. people there and he knows a lot of people, right? All of that. So yeah, I think that that is a, that is a pretty, good, pretty good deal. Um what about uh, as far as like mechanics growing up? Did you did you uh, start with you, Alex? Did you like admire any mechanics growing up, or did you look at guys like like Goose or anybody like that? Were you were you checking them out and seeing you know thinking about those kind of positions? Uh, not like specifically mechanics. Yep. Like uh, you know, it wasn't Instagram back then when I grew up. Yeah. And uh, but in it was Transworld at the time. They had a, a feature in the back of the magazine with uh, I think it was called Spanner. And uh, yep. uh, they would highlight, like, a mechanic every month in, in the magazine. And, dude, that was my favorite part, I think, besides, <laughs> like, the pit bits part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, dude, the bikes were just, like, unbelievably, like, everything's manicured and stuff like that. I'm like, that's sick. So whoever was on it that month, right? Um, like, that's probably who I was like, wow, like, I'm going to watch your bike for the next month. But, you know, and I I just, I don't know, I, I 
couldn't get enough of the details and like all the crazy things that you can test and like yeah. how much it makes a difference. Like I kind of got off on that and that's what made me really start thinking about it. Yeah. How about when you start getting into motor mounts and millimeters of motor mounts oh. or front axle, that's a little different shape, you know? Yeah. Like, holy shit, this, this, this front axle is exactly the same, but this one's made out of tie instead of steel. Yeah. yeah. This, 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 this motor mount has a five millimeter hole drilled in it. Unbelievable. We, like, we, we tried that's dude, light. That's one, of the, light. One, of the, one of the craziest things I've ever tested is radiator braces, and that was at Geico. Yeah. Is we had radiator braces, and um, it was actually Aaron, Ziggy's son, Aaron, he tested them first. He's like, oh, they make the bike chatter going into the turns. And I'm like, really? And it was like early point in my, yeah. my mechanic career. But if you made it floating, you know, you put a, a grommet in there yeah. and made it kind of floating, it's like, oh, it's way better. And I'm just like, unbelievable. Like that car for me was pretty yeah. cool. Uh, skid, skid plates, too. Like Chad ran a solid skid, skid plate, plate and, yep. then, and then we would run a, put a grommet skid plate, and the guys would be able to tell. We tried to fool Villeman one time, and David wasn't a great tester. He was a good tester. Wasn't a great test. We had a fool villain one time with motor mounts, and he instantly knew. You know, Timmy, mm. one time Timmy's like, I think we moved his fork millimeter like, t- we moved his forks like two millimeters uh, for the night show one, one race, and he liked it. And then when I was doing my build the next week, I think I put him one millimeter different, um, and then he came in and said, hey, my forks are different from last week. And I'm like, I don't think oh, so. Yeah. And he's like, I think they are. And I measured <laughs> them, and they, and they were. Dude, they were. I was like, you it's mo- unreal. You're like, yeah. damn. Yeah, I was like, you mother. It's effort. crazy. Some of these guys can feel like. Yeah. You're yeah. like, you can really feel that. But like, I mean, we're nothing even close to what they are, and we're riding things that have never even been torn apart. Yeah. And yeah. we're like, how could you feel that? Like, maybe the dirt was a little softer there, or yeah, yeah. a little slick, and they're like, but no, they can feel the most yeah. minor things, and you're like, wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, or the things that they wreck it too, right? It impresses me. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. The things that they wreck too, you're just like, I didn't even know that part could wear, Bad. but it, it's worn out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, like in one you, race. You the wonder. things were changing. Yeah, no, the things were changing in one race. Like the average person doesn't change for a year. And you're like, yeah, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, what is happening? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it, it really, it really, when you get to the, lev- le- the level of those guys, you know. Um, hey, a couple things, more things for you to hear. Uh, Alex, I'll start with you. What's your pet peeve as a mechanic in the sport? What's your pet peeve? Uh, are we talking about bikes or a- anything? People the, or- the, the sport, the bikes, the people, whatever you got, you, uh, feel free. Okay, well, because it matters specifically in practice is for outdoors, dude, the timing and scoring, it never works. Like, (laughs) first practice, like, they get, like, a roll app or something like that. I don't even know what it is for free practice. And then uh, it's it's live. And if I can't tell Dylan where he is in practice, like, what good I am, I have all the state of the truck. Like, what what am I going to do down there? Um so timing and scoring is a pet peeve of mine when yep. it doesn't work, but yep. I love it when it does work. Uh, other than that, man, you put me on the spot there. I, I'm going to uh, say I was going to I was thinking like and I, I and I've railed against this like you guys don't have enough time, man. You need more time in between oh, yeah. autos. Like it's it's that's it's almost a safety thing. Yeah, it's yeah, no, kind of a given like. Uh, like during the moto, like there's things you have to pick and choose, like between moto one and moto two. Like before moto one, especially in the 450 class, you have more time because the two yeah. gotta go. 
But before Mortal One, you kind of can can check everything. But between Mortal One and Two, like you have to pick and choose. You're like, I gotta change my wheel, check my clutch, do this, do that, and like you're not gonna get something done. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. Yeah. Like me specifically, I take my wheel off after practice, but I check the spokes, check the bolts on, everything. That way, between Mortal One and Mortal Two, I can just put it on right. and torque the axle and know it's good. Yeah. So because it saves me time, but. Yeah, for sure. The the having to uh, to be on a time schedule like that is is crazy because it is for TV. Like we all do this to promote sponsors and stuff like that, and we have to make it on TV. Right. But at the same time, like if something really really bad happens, like somebody could get severely injured. So having to rush through your work is is a pet peeve for sure. Yeah, uh, um, that one is tough. What about you, what about you, Josh? What do you got? What's a pet peeve? Um, I would have to say my pet peeve is, and this is probably a pretty silly one, but in the mechanics area, people that are standing at the, um, at the banner, putting their boards out and then still standing there. Right. So like normally we're doing times, we're checking the gap, we're doing all this. And the way they set up the tracks nowadays is the finish line is so close to where we pit board. So we literally have a second to write one yeah. to write the time down. Right. And ha- I mean, most of the time it's taking three seconds to even update. <laughs> so we're literally writing it down <laughs> and diving over the banner to get the board out to the guy. And when you got to dive through people, like obviously you're going to yeah. upset someone, but they're still standing there and their guy isn't coming around yet when your guy is. So it's kind of, it almost is like most people have the common courtesy of like, put the board out, stand back and let everyone else be able to get through. But when you have someone who's standing there just watching the race go on, <laughs> it is a little bit frustrating when you're trying to dive over the banner to let your guy see what's going on. And, and they just they have a T-shirt on yeah. or something, and they're just waving their buddy on. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which uh, every guy I, I going by. On that. What's that? Yeah, I want to comment on yeah. that. Like with Jelly, like now moving up, like the 450 class, like I see a huge difference in the mechanics, in the mechanics area or on the line or whatever. Like, I felt like at the 250 class, there's a lot of egos and, like, people uh, don't move out of the way for other mechanics and stuff like that. But I feel like in the 450 class, like, all the mechanics kind of have, like, a mutual respect for each other. Like, they all understand that, like, hey, man, like, everybody's just trying to get their board out there. Everybody's just trying to pack their gate at the same time. Like, nobody's trying to, like, create interference with anybody in – that's one thing I love about being in the 450 class. Like I couldn't believe how much respect there was down on the on the line or in the mechanics area and stuff like that. And I I think that's that's awesome. Like in the 250 class, a lot of younger guys are in there, and they don't really know their place yet. And there's a lot of people camping out at the right. mechanics area or along the fence. But the 450 class, man, like if you you talk to each other like you're like hey man like our guys are battling but you go high or you go low yeah, and yeah, like you don't yeah. block each other's boards and stuff like that and that's one thing that that i think in the 450 class i talked to jordy about it ken's mechanic this this year i was just like dude does it seem like the 450 class has a lot more respect for each other and he's like yeah we all put our time in like we know how it is to be at the back of the pack the front of the pack whatever yeah. it might be and everybody's just trying to do their job you know what i found when i was wrenching was the bigger name mechanic skip norfolk or j bone or you know goose 
the bigger Legends. the bigger name mechanics were the fucking <laughs> coolest guys with no egos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The nicest guys. Yeah, like, the nicest I mean, guys. Yeah. Yes, yes. Absolutely. That's crams for me right now. Like crams on the weekends tell me like, hey man, good job. Like hey, right. can you let us win one of these? Like and to me I'm looking up to crams like Dude, you're a legend. Like, I wish I had, I wish I was you. Like, yeah. you're a badass, you right. know, and stuff like that. And, like, and then you got, and, yeah, and then you had other, the, smaller mechanic guys, and you're just like, well, dude, we're just, we're not curing cancer here, man. Calm down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of that. cancer already. Go ahead, Jelly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of that has to do with, though, is you're almost nervous to talk to those guys. Okay. Like yeah, you yeah. look at them and you kind of build them up, and then when you finally do talk to them, you're like, oh, they're right. just normal dudes. Honestly, yeah. nicer than normal dudes. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. You're just a little bit nervous to talk to those guys. Oh, for sure, for sure. Jelly, yeah. did, did you have a mechanic? I didn't ask you this question. Did you have a guy you looked up to, or you know, whatever? Um, I wouldn't say I had a name for sure, but you just see like my favorite guy is Stewart. And then you see Carmichael. You just see the guys yeah. that are always standing next to him, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Ah, man, it would be awesome to be in a position like that. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. I remember I screwed up the power valves on a KX250, like a 97, and I couldn't quite figure them out, and I worked for a privateer guy, and I was like, fuck me, I got to go over to Factory Cowie and ask for help. Like, I just can't figure this out. Like, there was 18 million parts in these old Kips power valves. And uh, mm-hmm. I walked over there, and I'm like, J-Bone, man, uh, you don't know me, but, dude, I work for Ty Birdwell, and I, I need some help, man. I'm really sorry. Dude, the guy couldn't have been any cooler. Couldn't have been any cooler wow. to me to help me out, you know? Um, that's just Yeah, and you're just like, oh, that's awesome, you know? So, I don't know. You just, I always felt like as I got more into the sport and more with the guys that, you know, are winning all the time, the cooler they were. So, yeah, yep. interesting. Um, for sure. Jelly, how's, how's Coop with the bonuses? How is it? Coop is, uh, he's great. He's very, uh, he takes care of me. All that's right. for sure. And I'm scared to ask Alex this, but how is Ferrandis? He's not bad. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, uh, I think, um, I think in the 250 class, uh, maybe a, a, a little low, okay, but yeah. the four. You know, but no, dude. French time, guys like, again. I, French I, I, guys don't pay their guys. Yeah. It's not even Dylan. So, it's a French thing. Yeah, exactly. And this is like it's pretty shitty that you have to complain about it or say something about it. But like, you know, it's still just a bonus. Like, yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, like I was going to do the same amount of work that same day, whether he got first place or fifteenth. Like, but. You know, you see a guy go out there making millions of dollars, and you're just like, oh, that's that's rad. Like, yeah. if he could kick me some, that'd be great. And yeah. then if he's kicking you some, but then you see another guy just just working next to you that he might not be doing as good as your rider, but he's getting more because his rider takes more care of you. Is like, it's just natural to be a little it envious is, yeah. of that. Yep. Um, yep. But I think, and that was the two the two fifty side of things. But the four fifty class is bigger dollar amounts and stuff like that. So. It's uh, for for what I get as a percentage right now. Like, I'm not going to ask for more percent. Like, I'd rather spread it out throughout the whole team, and I still plan to do that. Like, I take what Dylan gives me, and I take a certain part of it. And uh, like, once I get the, the if slash when, I don't know. Right. But you know, it's early in, in the off season right now. If I get a check from Outdoors this year, I plan to take a percentage of that and give it to the guys that helped out on oh, the team and stuff nice. like that. Like, 
man- management and stuff like that, like you hope they're in a position that, you know, they're making good money. But the guys that are working day in, day out, grinding, you know, helping you out, yeah, changing yeah. suspension for you, whatever it might be, like just kick them a little bit, help them out, just like your rider did to you. And um, I think Dylan uh, is good in the 450 class. I think he's pretty average for the 450 class. Sure. Um, the 250 may be a little low, but um, if it wasn't for us working together in the 250 class, I wouldn't be at the 450 class. Is, is Derek going to get any or no? No, he left, right? He doesn't get any. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you say that, but at the same time, like, dude, I was in Florida all summer. Like, the guy did help me out. Like, at back and uh, just, like, prepping build kits uh, or what it might be. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't cut him up. Rango was uh, was Malcolm's mechanic in Supercross. Yep. And I'm not – I mean, I might not give him everything that everybody else got sure, because he yeah. wasn't there during outdoors. But, like, right. I still plan to give him a little bit. I wouldn't give Derek a dime. Nothing. I'm too, I'm too nice for that. Like, I um, can't do that. The, well, the only thing that urged me is that – I do practice and race, um, and Dylan doesn't have a practice guy, so he's saving a little, of a, little bit is. of a salary he on is. that. Uh, but Listen, the French are tight. Know. No, they are. And and I remember Gothic J, my buddy Gothic, one time asked DV about a bonus. <laughs> DV freaked out on him, told me he can go down to yep. uh, Home Depot and get a grips and graphics guy. You know? Yep. Like, yep. I, I'm just like, oh, my God, Villaman, Jesus, you know? So... Yeah, uh, DV still says like, "Hey man, did you change your grips this week or just the graphics?" Like, uh, yes, that's exactly. Just how he is. Yes, he, yes, he yes. He don't see it. He he knows how much goes into a bike, but he's still gonna be that guy. That's oh, always. Just grips and graphics, dude. Always. Hey, uh, in in '04, Chad won the Supercross title, and obviously he stroked out his mechanic, uh, but he gave everybody on the mm-hmm. team like twenty five hundred dollars, except for me. Wow. Except for me. Why? Why <laughs> did he leave you out? We weren't getting along yeah, very well. Nah, we were not getting along very well. Like he, I went out testing with him, and uh, uh, his mechanic had screwed up the clutch. You know, do you guys still have the top hats with the adjustable uh, reach? Uh, yeah. Do you still have those things in the clutch that you can adjust where where that releases? Right. You mean where the top hat like is just a different thickness? Or, or there's a, there used to be a screw in them to back it back in and out. Uh, no, they don't have that. No, no. Okay. no, no. Well, that's how we adjusted like the clutch arm to where it releases. Anyways, mechanics screwed it up, and no big deal. Shit happens. Uh, we go out testing. I go out that day. Chad's clutch isn't working right, and he's very mad, and I'm trying to figure out what is setting in, how many turns in, how many turns out, where does he like it, and you know all this stuff. And then uh, he comes in. It wasn't fixed. He comes in. He revs his bike up to the moon and steps off his bike, and the bike goes into the side of a box van. And I lose my shit on him. I'm like, listen, it's 8,000 degrees now. Now I can't touch it. Now I can't touch this clutch, so I can't help you. And look what you did to this box van, you idiot. And we just got into it. And, and so, yeah, a few times like that. Um, uh, anyways. So oh, there's, there's a perfect example right there. You're out there with somebody else's guy. You're helping him during the week trying yeah. to figure out his bike and his clutch yeah. and all that. Yeah. And then he doesn't kick you anything like I didn't I missed a couple days of Dylan riding this year, but like still like Dylan doesn't even know what goes on back at the shop. No. But like no. people still helping me out, like you helped out his mechanic by going to the track with him that day, like You'd be pumped to get that twenty five hundred bucks uh, to everybody else. When nah, the he got that he didn't like me. He didn't like me, so I, I, that's okay. Uh, I, w- I was fine with it. Everybody laughed at me, though. Everyone thought it was really funny, so that that, that, that wasn't so much fun. I have a question, though. Yes. Have you guys hashed that out to this day? Yeah, oh yeah, we're good. We're good. We uh, uh, we didn't talk much, and then I quit being a mechanic in like oh six, 
and then we were fine um, from there on out. And and yeah, we're we're good friends now. Um, so it was fine. But uh, at the time at Yamaha, yeah, I was not happy. Him and Timmy got into it. So then um, um, uh, I was. Oh, you had to go to battle. Right, because you know how that is, right? You you always have to battle with your guy. So um, <laughs> I don't. So anyways, but no, I'm glad you guys are taken care of. That's good because yeah, mechanic life is hard, man. And I don't. I again, mm-hmm. like I don't. If I, I've, tell, I've told a few people this. Like, if someone said to me, hey, Mathis, uh, all your podcasts are done and you need to go back to be a mechanic to make a living, I think I would just uh, get a divorce and move back to Canada. Like, I don't want to do it again. It's hard work, really? man. It's really hard work. You guys deserve medals, man. Um, you know, so I – yeah. But do you regret, like, doing it? Like, no. At the end of the day, like, obviously this provides a life for you and you do the podcast stuff now or whatever, but – you can't be like the mechanic thing was also part of the journey to get to this point. Like it's, it's, it was a grind. It's tough, but look at where it's brought you now. No, absolutely. I wouldn't be where here if I wasn't a mechanic. Right. And don't you, and I honestly feel like whatever you guys do after you stop being mechanics, the work ethic and the hours put in and everything else from being a mechanic will shape your next job. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And so, like even just yeah, for the sure. stress levels that you have being a mechanic, you go into another job, like it'll almost feel like nothing. Right, right, yeah. You are yeah. building a you're building a bike for a rider that on the track that I mean, it, anything could happen, so you're sitting there watching yeah. it like yeah. growing gray hairs. But the- after yeah, after you're being a mechanic, that's not going on anymore. It's just everything will seem easy Did you and got, worth that. Were you guys? Out. Have you guys ever been out, down on the line either with Rensland or 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 with any of your guys? Um, have you ever been down on the line, RJ? And you look down, the rider's revving his bike, and the seat bolt is moving because it's. <laughs> have you ever? And, and you had you, you had to slowly reach down and grab a T handle out of your fanny pack and tighten it. You ever had to do that, either one of you? I haven't, no. I but, but I will. That is one, one year. Go go ahead, Jelly. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, that is one two bolts that I triple check before the bike goes down because yep. if the seat bolts come out, you got three issues. You got two side number plates flapping around and then a seat <laughs> laying out on the track. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's a good so, point. Yeah, that's true. No, that one time is those two bolts. Dude, on one time, like the 32nd board is up and I'm looking and I'm like, my seat bolt is just going around and around and around and i'm like that is not good let me grab my t-handle tighten that thing up so uh go ahead alex what were, what were you gonna say what i was gonna say about the seabolt is when i was a kid at at uh, millville swanee rode for star garrett swan yeah. he was a rider here before he was a trainer and uh he was at millville and his seat came off during the moto and i every lap i would just wait for the guy to come by with no seat on like i was like dude that guy can't sit down nothing so now like I mean, it's embarrassing, but I probably people have probably seen it on TV that I check my seat bolts like in staging or even on the line sometimes. Yeah. Very rarely, but right. on the line, like I tend to be more confident in that. But like, dude, yeah, yeah. a guy that without a seat, like I can't imagine. So <laughs> yeah. I check that bolt very often. I always used to tell Timmy too. I'd be like, "Hey man, we're gonna get on a jumbotron. Watch this. Watch this." And then I one, I one race, I was like dancing behind him. He's just like, "You're, you're an <laughs> idiot." I'm like, "Look, I'm on the jumbotron." <laughs> ah, Did funny. Timmy know? 
Uh, did Timmy know that you had to check those seat bolts though? Or were no. you like patting him on the back? Like, no. oh, just let me Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 bro. No, nobody knew. <laughs> nobody knew. I think I think this is the first time I've ever admitted it. Like I yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to the grave with that one where I was like, Oh yeah, my bad. Sorry. So Honestly uh, though, yeah. nowadays so we're seeing you down there. Uh, I was just gonna say nowadays we're standing down there holding the umbrella. We got oh, fans. Dude. We got water bottles flying out. If a seatbelt's backing out, I don't even have a third you, arm to even get that thing. You I guys, set everything down. You guys are Sherpas. You guys are Sherpas now. You have everything. You got a backpack. I don't know what the fuck is in the backpack. You got boots on. <laughs> you got the jacket. You got the umbrella. You got goggles. You got an energy drink. Uh, iPod sometimes, right? Like headphones. Uh, like I don't. What the hell is going on down here? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be a shit show at times, but. I, I can't stand the phone and the headphones at the times, but the rest of it, like carrying the backpack is, it holds a lot of my stuff, my fuel bottle and all that. Yeah. But dude, the, the umbrella is one of the worst for me. Cause you got to hang onto it the whole time. Like, yeah, I'm just glad my rider doesn't use a fan, but the umbrella, you got to hold your arm out there the whole oh, time. I, you're for, just like, I forgot about oh, the shit. Fan. I got to look at this. I got to do that. got to grab the goggles, this or that. Like, I'm just like, dude, I can't let go of this umbrella. I'll just not check it or I'll just not grab it for a while. <laughs> I, uh, I've also, I've left the rider's jacket like on the mechanics, uh, on the, on the sick, on the area mechanics. Board. It's like, bro, yeah. sorry, man. Sorry. I forgot your freaking jacket. Like, uh, you know, I got a lot to worry dude, about. Steve, they don't understand how much you have going on. They just think it's like just normal day because they're just chilling there yeah. with their sunglasses yeah. on before they put their helmet on or whatever. And you've got all their yeah. stuff in your hands and you got a pack of gate. They're just like, Oh yeah, it's just another day. But for you, you're like, holy shit! I don't, th- I don't think I could hold a feather if I had to. <laughs> Do you guys? Are we still on the radio checking out chicks in the stands? Are we still doing that? I'm married. Uh, no, more, I mean, look. Even if you're married, you can still, <laughs> you know, somebody can be like, hey, check hey, out. Hey, just, just because you order doesn't mean you can't look at the menu. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so you know, I, is you're still like, hey guys, check out the Ripper uh, over by the Triple. Any of that going on still? I'm going to be honest, on our radio, it was more checking out the rippers on the track because of the farm. They're all like, well, what implement is that? What tractor are they pulling <laughs> it with? That's true. Oh, we okay. might need some like that at the farm. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's more of what was going on our radio. Yeah. All right, okay, never mind. On our radio, on our radio, like checking out the chicks happens to be like, you know, you got the suspension guy on this hill over there, and you got the crew chief on this hill, and you got uh-huh. Brad over here and yeah. that over there. And it's like, those guys are talking around the track like, dude, have you been to this section yet? There's a girl over here with this on. You're like, oh, yep, I saw her earlier. Like, that happens, but as far as the mechanics, you're just Maybe. you're just grinding. Maybe that's why I was never on teams like successful like Star. We were too busy looking in the stands for chicks. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe that was it. I should I should have concentrated more. Um, well, boys, uh, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it, Alex and, and Josh uh, from Monster Energy Star Yamaha. And uh, good luck, Josh, with the new gig. Uh, I'm sure you'll do a great job. You both yep. you guys have done super super good things with both of your riders. And uh, congratulations on all your success and. Yeah, man. Again, uh, being a mechanic is an is an amazing hard job, and uh, you guys are two of the best at it. So, thanks for the time on the on the podcast, boys. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you very much for having us on, and uh, I'm glad we were able to do this after the season. During the season's busy, yeah, but uh, yeah. you understand, so it's good. I do, and thanks, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Yep, Steve. Thanks for uh, also having me on as well. And uh, if anyone listening to this, hopefully it doesn't deter them away from the job, or hopefully. It- it excites them about it and uh yeah yeah hopefully we hear more from you and we can do this again yeah awesome great man thanks guys yeah absolutely thank you steve
Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.